This podcast is brought to you by Erickson Immigration Group. Welcome to Immigration Nerds. Today we have a short one, but hopefully it can help provide a larger context to trends happening in immigration today. On July 31st, the U.S. Department of Labor announced it had reached an agreement with the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. The agreement allows both agencies to freely share immigrant petition and data records held within the Office of Foreign Labor's Certifications Database. This gives USCIS the power to report any suspected H-1B employer violations directly to the Department of Labor. So, what can the Department of Labor actually do? Essentially, DOL now has the authority to investigate companies thought to be in lack of compliance with H-1B regulations. An example of enforcement could include issuing a fine to employers who didn't pay the correct market wage for their H-1B employees. These measures are a continuation of President Trump's June 22nd proclamation, in which the White House suspended the entry of certain aliens who claims to present a risk to labor markets following the coronavirus outbreak. Although this mandate is stated to protect the jobs of eligible U.S. workers, there might be something else also happening at the same time. When we look at the span of administrative actions over the past few years, the trend towards collecting and freely distributing immigrant information between government agencies has sizably increased. Today's installment looks at three examples from past episodes that detail this expansion throughout the last year. From enlisting social media accounts, to using financial debt documentation in determining public charge, or even collecting migrants' DNA itself. Today is about privacy. I'm Ian Gaines. Come join us Beyond Borders. September 19th, 2019, Social Media Surveillance expansion and data collection by government agencies. Um, one thing to note here is that there's actually three different agencies that are using social media. So one is the Department of State, the, the consulates. So the consular arm of the Department of State is requesting the social media handles of all your accounts for the past five years. CBP, on the other hand, can request for you not only to give your social media handles but also your password as oh, you come wow. in through okay. the border you can be you can be asked to turn over your phone and asked to give your password so instead of just looking at public information that you've posted in the sphere they in the in the social media sphere you can actually go into their their private account and look at that that's not every agency because i know no that's so, only cbp okay because they're at the border so okay. when you're in the border the border zone they're able to do that okay. the third agency that actually uses social media is uscis right. they have a, f a fraud division within there and they have specifically trained a, a few officers to actually create fictitious social media accounts so that they right. can search for people and see what kind of posts that they're or tweets or who they're following when they apply for benefits a green card or citizenship they can track their their moral character in, in that way the biggest con and in my opinion is the lack of transparency as to how they're actually collecting the information you're talking about social media posts I mean, there are people who post multiple things a day 
right. if they're on for five years, you're talking about thousands and thousands of posts. How are you right. supposed to go through all of those? Well, apparently you contract with another data mining company and they'll go through it for you using these algorithms that I personally don't understand how None they actually do. work. <laughs> um, but they work. <laughs> yes, there's, they're supposed to work. And we don't know what these algorithms are, how the government is actually spying on our yeah. social media page. And the ACLU filed suit over that very issue. So not on the constitutionality of requesting this information, but how you're actually using this information. What are you trying to glean from it? There's no transparency there. So that to right. me is a big point of concern. January 30th, 2020, This Week in Immigration, Public Charge, Birth Tourism, and Travel Ban Expansion. Now, adjustment applicants will be required to provide evidence of all debt, government assistance requested in the past, or a government assistance or public benefits that the individual has applied for and recently withdrawn from, and also English skills in terms of proficiency in the English language. Uh, required information and documentation will also includes information about mortgages, car loans, credit card debt, education loans, tax debt, liens, personal loans, credit score, bankruptcy history, health insurance, whether or not the individual has ever benefited from Medicaid, SNAP, SSI, all of this is now being requested. February 13th, 2020, Natalie Ram, collecting DNA at the border, a thin line between security and privacy. And while the DHS says the samples and all the data will be destroyed after tests are run, the ACLU warns the fact that it is even building out this surveillance and infrastructure should trouble us all now. A little side well, note fast forward a little less than a year, and right. here we are, where now the federal government plans to collect DNA sample from every individual in immigration detention. Now that program is starting out with a couple pilot sites, but uh, mm. with plans to expand over the next three years. So that's access one, is DNA in connection with immigration mm. specifically. The other axis here is one about government collection of DNA from a broader and broader pool of people for crime detection purposes where the government holds and uses the DNA from individuals uh, basically indefinitely. Right? And right. this access goes back to the 1990s when the first uh, law enforcement DNA databases were being set up. And at the time, the, when, when these DNA databases were getting off the ground, they were collecting DNA only from sexually violent individuals convicted of, a, of, a, of an offense. Right. And over time, we've seen those statutes then broadened can, you know, pretty continuously from sexual offenses to all violent offenses to all felonies to all individuals arrested for a felony. And, and the same federal statute that gave the attorney general discretion to collect DNA from all individuals in federal custody arrested for a felony hmm. also authorized the attorney general to exercise discretion about hmm. whether to also collect DNA from individuals in immigration detention. The expansion of data collection efforts through immigration policy is clear. Nearly every agency involved in immigration now holds increasingly sensitive and private information of foreigners. To what extent will this continue? Where is the line where privacy and security both begin and end? 
And will the civil liberties enjoyed by U.S. citizens ever be extended in kind to foreign travelers? Until then, I see you next week. Thank you to lead researcher Con Branch, assistant producers Luke Bianco and David White, and music by Brandon Williams. Follow Immigration Nerds on Twitter at IMMNerds and Erickson Immigration Group on LinkedIn to join in the conversation. I'm Ian Gaines. See you next week.